Hello, uh, welcome to the I'm a Health Sister podcast. I'm Jenny. And I'm Amy. And today um, we're going to talk a bit about domestic violence. Yeah, so we're going to tackle quite a difficult subject today, but I think it's a subject that lots of health visitors um, come across very frequently in practice, certainly something I'm coming across every day. Um, and I think it's really important. We're not going to kind of go into what domestic abuse is or, you know, we're going to make the focus quite tight and specific around some new guidance which has just come out for court justices around child contact. And I think it's important guidance for health visitors to be aware of. So there's a few big national organisations that have been working towards this um, goal and they had a big campaign called Child First. Yeah, and Um, so back in January, it was in The Guardian that um, senior judges were on board with this and taking steps to uh, try and stop the presumption that father must have contact with the child if there is evidence of domestic violence or abuse that could put the child or mother at risk. Yeah, so this comes following um, the report from Child First of it was called the report's called 19 child homicides so anyone who's interested in um looking into this in more detail i think that report is a really really good place to start and to be honest just a good learning resource if the student health visitors out there that are undertaking their child protection module i think it's an important thing to know about um health visitors in practice maybe if you have a particular issue with domestic abuse in your area i think this is an important report for you to read um it's it's highlighting really I guess that sometimes in domestic violence the child's voice can get a little bit lost um, because we're focusing on the survivor um, and obviously it's really important to make sure that that woman is safe um, and often she's at very very high risk but I think while we're doing that we also have to keep the child in mind and health visitors are very good at that generally um but continuing that into the realm of child contact so knowing that just because um someone is a father doesn't mean they can't still be very high risk and pose a very high risk to that child because didn't you have an interesting statistic about how many yeah parent how many fathers do lose contact with yeah yeah so we commonly as health visitors um advise parents or advise mothers and it is i'm going to use that kind of sweeping generalization mothers and fathers because typically what we know from the statistics is that perpetrators are often male um victims are often female and that's not to say there aren't male victims as well um but so typically in practice context we'll often advise mothers that if they feel contact is unsafe or if they ever start to feel that in the future um, that they are within their rights to withhold contact um, until and then the courts can make that decision so then the dad is then it the ball is in their court if you like to for the dad to pursue um, whatever court order or arrangement he wants to pursue in order to keep child contact so that's something we often kind of use as a way to protect children um, and to also put the the mother back in the driving seat a little bit um, however, yeah, like you said, I recently found out that only 1% of all um, applications for child contact made through the court are declined. Blimey. Um, which, yeah, 1%, you know. That's a much smaller amount than you'd believe. It is, yeah. And I, I think especially when we think of the families that we've worked with, and actually, you know, when I think to some of the 
cases of domestic abuse that I've been involved with, um, we're talking about very high risk cases actually here. We're talking about very violent men who are very dangerous. Um, And to think that only 1% are refused, I think is is quite an alarming statistic actually. It's quite interesting in the report, um, this discussion centers around five themes. and yeah. the importance of recognising domestic abuse as harm to children. And I know from my A&E background, it was always very important if we had someone disclosing domestic abuse. About sort of Quite often you would have a mother come in on her own or a father come in on his own mm. and be disclosing this and needing to, to get more information about the children. Mm. Um, and I think parents so often feel that if the child hasn't been there, then they're not at risk. Yeah, yeah. And they're not realising that that's just like, there's still the potential there if anything there's more risk because there's a future potential risk to them yeah well we know children um who are living in households where there is domestic violence going on even if they're not physically present at the time of the abuse in terms of in the same room you know often they're in the next room or they're overhearing or they're asleep you know and parents are assuming they're asleep um and even just living in that emotional climate even if you're not actually witnessing um abuse and obviously there's very real risk of children being caught in the crossfire so that's kind of in physically i mean that's kind of you know while the abuse is still going on and that that perpetrator is living in the household but actually there's good evidence now um that even after the perpetrator and the victim have separated and there is no contact between perpetrator and victim, child contact can be a real trigger point and a real high risk time, both for the woman and for the children. And there's a real risk of children being abused indirectly, you know, um, manipulating the mother in order to gain access to her by using child contact or um, saying things which they know are going to get back to the mother in an indirect way using that kind of emotional manipulation that yeah. we know is is so prevalent in these controlling coercive relationships yeah. it's, it's understanding that power and control the dynamic dynamics within mm. domestic domestically violent um, or abusive relationships yeah so um, i think that this this new kind of this new guidance for judges is is really kind of important women's aid on their website describe it as a landmark win and i think although it perhaps isn't everything that the the campaign was aiming for in terms of it doesn't go as far as the campaign was originally hoping it would it does make good steps forwards i think and it's a new guidance you know the women's aid um on the website date the uh news article about it is dated the 15th of september 2017 um so it'd come in you know just before that yeah um but hopefully we will see this starting to make a difference you know i really really hope that this this will start to make a difference in decisions that are being made by judges so effectively it's the the guidance we're talking about is called practice um direction 12j child arrangements and contact orders domestic violence and harm and you can actually look up the practice direction on google you can yeah. google it and well, just get we, the full we'll put it into the blurb yes as well podcast. yeah we'll put it into the blurb yeah that's a good point so it is essentially you know without going into too much of the kind of legal ins and outs of it what it is doing is is ensuring that judges have a duty to 
consider whether contact is in the best interests of the child and to ensure that any contact that is court recommended is guaranteed to be safe, to put guarantees in place, to make sure that contact is safe for the survivor and also for the children. Because a lot of these child homicides that are in this Women's Aid report um, were actually took place during court-ordered child contact. And often that contact was you know, there was a recommendation from a social worker or from a health visitor quite commonly in that court documentation which suggested that they felt that this contact would be unsafe for the children and the contact was ordered despite that. Well, it's also where, you know, CAFCAS have a big part in this as well. Exactly, yeah, absolutely. They should be um, advocating for the child. It's completely their role. Mm. But, yeah, it's quite harrowing read, actually, looking at the report and just Mm, even Mm. the, uh, they sort of, headline it in um sort of the 19 boxes mm. showing the different cases mm. and uh yeah it's uh it, it's quite interesting how even putting it in such a sort of minimalistic way with the bare facts yeah just really hits home as to how widespread an issue this is and how yeah how very dangerous it can be for the families and obviously this is just the this is the homicides we're talking about. So this is yeah. the sharp end. You know, this isn't including um, physical or emotional abuse that's still ongoing in contact arrangements. And I think if we were to look at that, we'd be looking at obviously a much, much larger and even more alarming number. 19 is plenty, isn't it? Yeah. You don't need to look further than that. But um, it certainly would be a bigger number. Um, and I think this is kind of makes judges accountable for their decisions they have to justify how what steps are being taken if there is domestic abuse known um, and evidenced in court um, yeah they have to justify why the contact is going to be safe and why it's going to be in the best interests of the child rather than just the presumption being that it is yeah um so I think it's a strong it's a strong step forward definitely um, definitely so I think it's important for health visitors to know about this as well yes yeah I mean I think there is too often sometimes media swing towards fathers being unfairly treated Mm -hmm. and things which I agree you know I know can happen I know that fathers often can get the rough end of the deal and that there is sometimes politics at play and things that yeah, sure. But yeah. at the same time, we have like to draw have the to distinction. Have safeguards in yeah. place. I mean, certainly, it's easy in our practice to be um, focusing on the mother, isn't it? And yeah. we know that loving fathers are an important part of any child's life. But I think it's what's really important here is to draw the distinction between a loving father and a perpetrator of domestic yeah. abuse. But um, then I also think it's it's quite clear looking at it that it isn't specifically relating to those gender roles so equally if the mother has been abusive yeah no, it would absolutely. equally protect the child and the father yeah. from having to have contact with that that person who is equally as damaging to them and i think that's a, that's a this is exactly it it's it's keeping that um person in your life yeah. isn't it after you have escaped the abuse and survived the abuse the court then orders you that you are forced to have this abuser 
in your life for the duration of your child's life because they've got contact with them and I think that makes managing child contact very difficult for professionals as well as obviously being very traumatic and upsetting for families so they do need a lot of support around child contact and it's easy to think that you know because the perpetrator isn't living in the house anymore as health visitors you think oh well you know that's it the child's safe then but But we we know that it's not that simple we all know that the the most dangerous period is immediately following a separation um so hopefully this is kind of um, giving health visitors a little insight into this. And I, I think it's a strong step forward and it's an important thing for health visitors to be aware of. Yeah. Um, and hopefully enables you to put the women back in the driving seat a little bit. Um, if knowledge of this new guidance is out there more, you know, it raises awareness in the health yeah. visiting community and then in turn, hopefully, that reflects on a wider awareness within the families that we're working with. Yeah, I mean, I um, think what we hope is that, you know, obviously we're going to be putting the link in the blurb and maybe this has um, stimulated something in you to make you want to read up on it. Mm. And it's one of those things where, yeah, we all have to revalidate every few years um, if you, you know, read through this, listen to our podcast, mm. um, reflect upon maybe how this is going to impact your future practice. Mm. All you have to do is, yeah, there's lots of um, templates that you can get on the NMC website and things. Mm. All you have to do is jot down about what what you've done. You mm. know, you listen to a podcast for 15 minutes. You spent maybe 20 minutes or so reading through um, the uh, the child first report. And then reflect upon how this might have an impact on your practice, yeah. what you're going to change. And then that's one piece of work for your revalidation done. Yeah. And through that, you're learning something really vital, which may just make the difference for a child and family. You never know. Definitely. Um, so we're all working towards a greater goal here, aren't we, of trying to make life better for, yeah. uh, for children and families. And I think um, anyone who has an interest in this area... Um, needs to be aware of this this new development um so hopefully that's that gives you a little bit of an insight into it and all of the documents we're going to give links to on the website so anyone who wants to do further reading into it and wants to find out more um obviously through your trust as well there will be training available in domestic abuse and i think um it's a really important issue for health visitors to have a really good handle on yeah. Um, far too common and we come across it a lot so um important for health is just to feel confident in yeah. managing that situation Definitely. i think okay so i think we'll leave it there but yeah as ever if you've got anything you want to add then you can tweet us at i am a hv um obviously smaller titles so that you've got more room to tweet <laughs> um or on our email which is i am a health visitor or one word at gmail.com we'd love to hear from you and we'd love to hear if you've got anything to add to this discussion or if you'd like any specific requests on different areas of domestic abuse or any other topic for that matter um please do get in touch um we always look forward to hearing from you thanks very much for listening thanks bye